Here's a question. If you were given an opportunity to look into your future, would you take that opportunity? Let's say you were offered a chance to take a quick glimpse of you and your life in five years or 10 years. Would you do it? Would you really want to know? I thought about that question when I read about some coffee houses in Shanghai, China. These coffee houses are called Mo Me Cafes. And in Mo Me Cafe, you can, like most coffee houses, buy coffee, you can buy tea, you can hang out and read books, or they have Wi-Fi, so you can do whatever you need to do or you want to do on your tablet or phone or whatever, your laptop, whatever you have with you. But then they also have something that's pretty unusual in these coffee shops. They have a special post office, postal box for mail that you can deliver, have delivered to yourself over the next five or 10 years. So if you want to send a message to your future self, you buy a postcard, you write your message on the postcard, and you put it in the box. And in five to 10 years, I suppose, depending on whether they're still in business, they will mail the postcard out to you and you, could see, you can see what you said about your future self or what message you sent to yourself. If someone were to hand you a postcard right now with that plan, what message do you think you would send to your future self? It's a tough question. Thanks to movies like my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and movies like Back to the Future, and lots of other movies with the same idea, we can guess the changes that we might make if our future self would send us a message today and say, you should have done it this way. We might change that. But what message would you send to your future self that would make a difference? I thought about this, and in my mind, I think that the present me would probably send to the future me a message summed up in these words. Cherish these moments. Cherish these moments. You might look back. You might remember a moment with sadness. You might remember a moment with thankfulness. A glorious moment, a great time. You might remember a moment where you wish you'd have done it a little differently. So there's some regret. But in the future, you will look back, as we do, and you'll look at certain moments and you'll remember that that was a moment that was significant and important. And it changed you, changed your life. Or maybe you can think of a time in your life 
when something happened that really defined you. Actor Denzel Washington shared a story that came from a motivational speaker by the name of Les Brown about the power of taking action when an opportunity comes. Brown says to picture yourself on your deathbed. You're surrounded by the ghosts of wasted potential. These are ghosts that are gifts and talents and opportunities that you had in your life that you never acted on. And those ghosts are standing around your bedside and they're disappointed because they wasted their time on you. All that potential was wasted. And they look down at you, Brown says, and they say, we came to you because we thought for sure that you would bring us to life, that you would take these opportunities. And now we're going to the grave with you. And then Denzel Washington asks this question, how many ghosts are going to be around your bed when your time comes? The ghosts of missed opportunities, of not using talents that you had and gifts that you had, of not nurturing relationships that you could have, things like that. And that question brings us to our Bible passage for today. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, it says he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and they were fishing. And Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And then it says, at once, they left their nets and they followed him. Now, if that's not an opportunity, then there is no such thing as an opportunity. I don't know what would be. Come and follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. If the disciples were given an opportunity to write a postcard to their future self, I think they would have written, this was an important moment. I cherished it. Cherish this moment when the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world, offered me the greatest opportunity ever. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And I want us to pay very special attention to this opportunity because today, right now, we are offered that very same opportunity. Cherish the moment when you were created Cherish the fact that you are one of God's children and that as one of God's children, you carry a message, a message of hope, something very sorely needed these days. We're beginning to see glimpses of hope, aren't we? There's vaccination. It's not going the way we wish it would, but it's there and it's beginning to happen. Some of our people sitting right here this morning have already received at least the first dose. Some of you probably have who are watching. There's hope. And we are to be ambassadors of hope. That's what fishing for people is all about. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We're God's children. 
We're representatives of the kingdom of God. No matter what's going on in this crazy world we live in, no matter what kind of political footballs are being thrown around, and no matter what financial pressures we face, we are called as God's people to be ambassadors, messengers of hope, and not just to share the good news of the kingdom of God, but to put those values and those practices and those priorities of the kingdom of God into action right here, right now in our world today. For the past three years, the country of Finland has ranked number one in the United Nations World Happiness Report. I bet you didn't know there was such a thing as a World Happiness Report, did you? So Finland is determined to be the happiest nation in the whole world. So their leaders took advantage of this by starting an ambassador program to share the secrets to happiness with people around the world, with the rest of the world. And that's what you do when you have something good. You share it. People want to know why they're so happy, so they share some of their secrets. The ambassador program is called Rent a Fin. This is real, folks. <laughs> and it invites people to visit Finland, where you'll be led by a local Finnish tour guide. And included, included in the tour is some training on the culture there, and food and health practices and how the, how, how the people live. And all these things that add to their happiness. And in 2020, with the pandemic coming on, the Rent the Fin program went online, and it's available still, but online, with live-streamed happiness classes from Finnish experts. So Finns are recognized as the happiest people on Earth. But I think that Jesus' followers are hands down the most hopeful people on Earth, or at least they ought to be. We're given abundant life. We're given abundant life in this world now and in another world to come. And Jesus wanted to make sure that as many people as possible hear that message. That as many people as possible share that hope that is there. That's why he called those disciples that day told them to follow him that's why he called them to be fishers of people to spread the hope to spread the joy we can't keep this good news this good news of God's love we can't keep it to ourselves we have to share it with others we do that here a lot we share God's love with this community often and very generously in many ways. It's kind of like uh, there was a Japanese billionaire who on January 1st of last year announced that he was going to give away more than $9 million to 1,000 people on Twitter just to see if this money would make them happy, if it would improve their happiness. The only catch was that they had to retweet this announcement by a certain date, by midnight. 
The billionaire, you see, wanted to measure the effect of the money, which was about $9,000 per person. He wanted to see how much of an effect it had on their happiness level. So he told them to just take the money, spend it on whatever they want, but the only thing he asked in return was that they answer a few questions about the way they used it and about how it affected their lives and their outlook on life. Well, the story I read didn't give the results of the happiness experiment, but it did say that as of June 2020, the billionaire's message was the single most retweeted message of all time. Over 5.68 million people had retweeted, retweeted it, try saying that once, retweeted it by June. When you have a message like that, you gotta share it. Free money. Free money might make us happy. It might not. I know I'd like to be included in that experiment. I would have been glad to answer the little questionnaire. But the message that we carry, the message of eternal life through the love of Jesus, it should raise our level of happiness. It should raise our level of hope so much that we ought to feel like we'd be selfish if we didn't share it with other people, if we kept it to ourselves. That's why the message of the gospel, the story of Jesus and all he did for us has been shared billions of times on social media, in books, magazines, movies, sermons, personal conversations in many, many, many ways. And there are today, more than ever, great opportunities to continue to share this message of love and this message of hope. So no matter what the job we do, no matter what our circumstances are, we are called to be ambassadors of hope, to be messengers of hope, to carry that message to other people. The second, second thing I think I, we might write down on our postcard would be this. Cherish the moment that you realized that your life was not just goal-oriented, but it was also purpose-driven. Most of us have a to-do list, right? I have to-do lists all the time. They don't all get done, but I'm always writing to-do lists. Or maybe we have a bucket list of goals, things that we want to accomplish in our lives. Hike the Appalachian Trail, or get a promotion, or finish that degree that we're working toward. And then we have lots of little to-do lists to help us reach those goals. But goals are just outer measurements of what we accomplish in our life. They center on our success or on our comfort. But there's something else called purpose. Purpose is inside. It's a force within us, a motivating force that comes from our values, from our principles, from our skills, from the things we really care about, our passions in life. So why does it matter whether you're just goal-oriented or you're also driven by some purpose? Reaching your goals might lead to success, 
But living with purpose leads to a lot more than success. It leads to fulfillment. It leads to inner peace and happiness. Living with purpose means you're focusing your energies on things that are meaningful and important, more important than our own happiness, our own comfort, or having things. Living with purpose means looking for ways that we can make the world a better place, ways that we can help those who are in need of help. But before we can live with purpose, we have to recognize that we were made for a purpose. We were made to contribute something special to this world. Yes, you, every one of you, were made to contribute something special and to leave a mark on this world. You and I have a responsibility to live for something beyond ourselves and beyond our own desires. We can be part of healing the world and bringing the kingdom of God on earth. In 1947, there was a young pastor named Bob Pierce who traveled to China. And while he was there, he met a woman named Beth Albert who ran a ministry for lepers. And in that area of China in that day, the lepers were outcasts. They were not allowed to live or to be anywhere near the people who were healthy for fear that they would catch their, be infected, that they would infect the healthy people. And so Beth came to China with the purpose of sharing God's love with those who were in need, and those people were in desperate need. And so she found a community of lepers who were living in all places, were living in a cemetery in Kunming, China. They were cut off from society, they were naked, starving, dying, receiving no medical care at all. And so she went right to work and she began to find them food and clothing and what medication she could. And without any help or any support from anyone else, she decided to help these people become self-sufficient. And so she gathered tin cans and she taught them to fill the tin cans with mud and make bricks out of them so that they could build a little house for themselves. She was a nurse, and so she gave them as much medical care as she could. She scrounged for food and asked people for food. She taught Bible studies and brought them along in the faith. And every last person in that little leper colony came to know God's love and the hope of Jesus because one woman committed her life to loving them and to caring for them and serving them. And here's another great part of the story. Bob Pierce, that young pastor, he was so moved and he was so challenged by her ministry there that he, it sparked a fire in him, he said. And he wanted to serve other people in need. So he went on to found World Vision. World Vision, which is an international agency that provides food and clean water, education and medical care to millions of people around the world. Bob Pierce called Beth the trigger of the vision God gave me for world vision. Remember Les Brown's story about the angry ghosts of your wasted potential standing around your bed someday? Living with purpose is the best way to be sure that there won't be any disappointed ghosts hanging around at the end of your life. May we not pass up opportunities 
or waste our God-given talents and gifts. May our work be motivated by our love for people and our love for God. One last story. A man named Don Butcher's wife, Helen, died on Thanksgiving Day of 1992. Don was a farmer, and he had asked his neighbors to store his wheat harvest that year because he was caring for his wife, who was ailing. After she passed away, Don was reading a passage from the book of Isaiah in chapter 58 where it says, If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And this passage burned itself, burned its way into Don's heart. And he decided right then and there that he was going to use his stored up wheat to feed hungry people in what was formerly the Soviet Union. And he was going to do this as a memorial to his late wife. And so he got other farmers to contribute some of their stored food and put this project together. And with the help of a federal food distribution program, he sent tons of wheat and dried beans to charities throughout the Soviet Union and other countries nearby. And with each sack of wheat or beans, he would include the address of an American family who had contributed to the food. As he said, I want this grain to go to a family from a family. I want to say that it's not bread alone, but sharing God's love that makes a difference in the world. God's love created this world. God's love keeps this world going. God's love is recreating this world. And sharing that love can make a world of difference. That's what Jesus came to show us. That's what he called the disciples to do. And that's what he calls us to do. If we will do this, we will be able to look back at times like this and say, cherish this moment. Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? Cherish this moment? Yeah. Think about the good things that have come out of this because some good, has, some good things have come out of it. Look for those things. I would challenge you to do that this week. If you do that, I think that you'll find a way to cherish even this difficult time. Cherish a time when you had the opportunity to share the good news. More than ever, people are looking for hope. It's our job, it's our place, it's our privilege to share that hope. If we will cherish these moments, I guarantee that we will see a difference in this world around us, in people we know, people we care about, And as we continue to share the good news of the kingdom of God, it will bring us great joy, perhaps more than them.
Look back. Think back. Cherish those moments. Amen.